Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. In the world of relationships and marriage, people look for that one relationship that completes them, that makes them happy, and that will last forever. But divorce statistics suggest differently. 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 60% of second marriages, and 70% of third marriages end in divorce. There are two issues here when we're looking at relationships and divorce. Choosing the right person with whom we think we're in love with and leaving that person at some point without feeling as badly as most of us do in divorce. These two issues are what our guest Deborah Peters, business coach, couples coach, mindset expert, and specialist in neuroscience, will explain in a unique and enlightening way to help everyone going through divorce feel much more hopeful, understanding of, and accepting of the relationship path that they're on. And Deborah, you have taught me a lot, even in our pre interview. So fascinated and excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. What a great topic. Isn't it though? Yeah. So you approach relationships quite differently than the average person, don't you? I do. I do. And it took me a a long time to get there. I grew up in a very traditional type environment and, um, it never really sat well with me. You know, it, I didn't really see marriage the way it was taught. Um, there was something about it that went against the grain of who I am, even as a child. I didn't really know what that meant or what to do with it. But as I grew, I, I, I gained a lot of clarity around it. Um, there's still some aspects of it I reject. but more importantly, it's evolved, you know, so it's not, it's not looking at the traditional structure or beliefs around marriage that rubs me the wrong way by any means. It's actually, there's no wrongness to it. It's, it's how we grow as, as a humanity, how we evolve and our understanding of what's possible grows and we apply that to our relationship dynamics. And that's, I think that's really the key. When we were talking, you, you, the way you talk about relationships is there's energy, there's dynamic, there is no wrong in the length of time that a relationship exists because there's a point and a purpose for short and long-term relationships. Did I understand you correctly? Indeed, indeed. So the way I, I look at relationships is that all relationships are a mirror. And as that person, let's say we're talking about a, a committed partner. As, what is that person mirroring back to you about you? I think we've all had that relationship where somebody brought out the absolute worst in us, you know? Yes. Um, and we were just like a crazy person the entire time we were with them. And then as soon as that relationship ended, we got our sensibility back. Um, and so there's an example of how people mirror back to us who we are being with ourselves. And that's how I look at every relationship. So back in the day when I was and full-on, full-time couples coaching, that was, there was two questions that came out of my mouth. The first question was, can this marriage be saved? Because if I got any sort of um, uh, hesitancy from either one of them, I knew there's something else that needed to happen first, and that was they needed to decide in their heart that their relationship could be saved or I, there was nothing I could do to help them because otherwise it's futile. You know, so that's the first question. And the second question, which popped up repeatedly throughout the sessions was, you know, whose energy is this? Where did you learn this? Whose behavior 
are you repeating here? Who is this person representing from your imprint years, your modeling years, which is zero to seven and seven to 14, that is being triggered here? And I feel like that's the work that needs to be done before you get married. Right. But generally it's done after we're in trouble. Right. In a because we're in trouble. Because we're in trouble, yeah. Because, because the threat of this person leaving us. You know, it's like, okay, oh my gosh. I'm gonna, I'll, and we know we've said it and we've heard it said to us, I'll do anything. Like, I'll go to therapy. What do you want me to do? Let's go to counseling. And it's, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> horse is kind of down the road at that point. So then the next, what does the next relationship bring? Well, ideally there's a, a bit of a gap in between relationships where you have some time to self-reflect and in that self-reflection, take stock and be accountable to your, your own unresolved issues, your own traumas, your own abandonment, whatever it is. And, and then really be honest with yourself and authentic because, you know, was it really this person or was I triggered by my own unresolved issues? And listen, I'm not making excuses and saying that other people don't have, the other person in the relationship doesn't have responsibility for their behavior. That's not my point. So if anybody's listening going, well, what about them? (laughs) It's like them too, you know, it's, uh, and there's never an excuse for any kind of abuse, never. So whatever kind of abuse it is, whether it's gaslighting, emotional stuff, mental stuff, physical stuff, financial withholding, whatever, there's never an excuse for that. So let me just put that out there straight up. And if the other person is a mirror of who we are, and there's abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, financial, whatever. How, how does that person who's the, I'm using a word victim, which you are going to tell me never to use again. Uh. I know you are because I remember my notes that I took <laughs> and where I want to go with this. But the person who's feeling put upon, the one that's yeah. you know, uh, experiencing the abuse. Um, the one that feels powerless. Okay, good. The one who feels powerless. So what do they need to do? What do they need to know immediately? And then what do they need to do? So we can, we, there's a few things. I mean, it's, it's kind of a complex answer, but um, first of all, just on the surface, you know, we train people how to treat us by what we're willing to accept. And if we don't have the boundaries in the relationship, we usually don't have boundaries with ourselves. And so what that points to is that on some level, we, we don't love ourselves. Like we haven't integrated the adult in us and the child in us. There's, there's a duality going on. And that then will get flushed out in the relationship dynamic. If you're in an abusive relationship, you certainly are not the cause. And because I've been in abusive relationships, I've been in many abusive relationships. It took me probably five of them to wake up to what I was doing to myself through them. And that's the work that needs to be done. You know, first you need to leave the relationship and start to nurture yourself and take better care of yourself just on a basics, you know, on, on levels that are basic. And then, and then getting into the relationship you have with yourself and be honest with yourself about how you really see yourself and where's your self-worth Where's your self-esteem? Where's your sense of having a right to be here in this life, on this planet, as you? And you, you heal that. And it's not a short journey. It's, it takes 
massive desire and commitment to want to dig that deep within yourself. But when you do, then you stop bringing or allowing people into your life that are broken because abusers are broken. Right. And what you had been saying previously when we spoke, I, I love this. You said when an when a relationship needs to end or is ending, there's an unwinding of the energy of the relationship, but there's also an unwinding of the energy of you, of each person in the relationship. Sure, yeah, absolutely, because it is all energy. I, um, I think this is what's happening in humanity right now, is there is a... There's a shift happening in the paradigm that we hold around what makes a good partner, husband or wife. And it's not the degree, it's, it's not where they went to college, it's not the bank account. I mean, those things on paper have always been the um, framework. And certainly, you know, it's great to be with someone who's accomplished and dedicated to expanding themselves and are committed to peak performance. A hundred percent. I get it. Me too. The thing is, is that what else is there? There's a whole lot more. Um, I have a client that said to me one time, you know, the difference between men and women is men like to be needed and women like to be wanted. And I don't think that'll ever change. You know, I understand, I understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's that I resonate with that personally. I want my man to want me um, and he wants me to need him. And so as women become even more and more self-created, especially financially and monetarily, and men become more and more in tuned with their emotions and their spiritual self, it breaks down that old construct that didn't have really any wiggle room. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They're very rigid roles. Yeah. And we're adjusting to that still. I mean, it's, it's in play. It's not done. And so the energy of the relationship is really the key. It's because um, if the energy is not there, but everything on paper is there, you're not going to be happy. And the person you marry, that you commit your heart to, that you give that covenant before God is the single biggest decision you will ever make in your life. And if the energy is not right between you, you could be completely miserable and it can throw you off track. It can throw you off your life's path of what you're supposed to create in the world. Deborah, how many people, when you were a couples coach, um, said to you, I knew before the wedding I shouldn't have gotten married. Oh, yeah. It in my stomach. I had that feeling, but I just thought, well, maybe it's just nerves. Yeah. Lots. Yeah. Lots. In fact, I did some, I did uh, a few sessions with um, an engaged couple. And I went, and this might be a good segue. We can talk about values. Um, I did a values exercise with them and there was so many conflicts. It was like, it was so conflicted between them. Um, and I suggested that they postpone the wedding. Like, don't do this. You guys aren't ready. You have some work to do first. And they're like, well, everything's paid for. Yes. Yeah. We have to. Yep. Can I just tell you that that marriage turned out to be hell on wheels for a decade and was a financial drain of millions of dollars, leaving both of them with poor credit and no money and a massive downturn in their lifestyle that one of them has still not recovered from. And the other one is like digging hard to get out of the hole. 
So what motivates people to stick with it, to not look at the obvious signs, especially when they have professional help trying to guide them? What makes them still want to go through with? I know they say money. Is it really that? Nah. You know what I think that, that it is many times is what other people will think. Oh. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. They don't want to have to say, uh, we've changed our minds. They don't want to appear weak. I don't know. I guess it's probably different for each person. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own reasonings, but always it's going to be about not wanting to let others down or not wanting to look bad or, or maybe just, you know, they've been told and programmed and conditioned from childhood on that marriage is not something that is really uh, fulfilling, is something you do because it's part of what you need to create in the world. I don't know. Everybody's, I guess the answer would be as different as each person that doesn't do it. True, or you're so committed to the ideal you have in your head of what you're heading towards that you will minimize all of the red flags and the warning signs and the obvious things that professionals start bringing up like yourself because you want to stay committed to that ideal. We're stubborn. People yeah, you're right. Quit. And it's, it's a romanticized concept, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, I think there's uh, a little bit of scarcity programming in there. If I don't, then who will I find? It's hard to find a person. That whole scarcity. I have this uh, saying, you know, if you, when you meet one person that's all that, there's hundreds more in queue. Because it's energy. When you tap into the energy of who you are, what you're creating, who you're becoming, and you really are aligned with that, people start to show up in your life that resonate there as well. And they could be clients, they could be friends, they could be buddies, and they could be your next husband or wife. If that's not if, when that's happening, Because it's energy and energy is infinite, you know, we don't get energy, we are energy, then there's a whole bunch more like it or better. Okay, so the light bulb, speaking of energy, just went on in my head when you said that. And I said, okay, well, this is really no different than when we're choosing our careers, we're starting a business. And We're in our right lane, so to speak. We're choosing what resonates with who we are as an energetic being. Things just happen. People just walk through the door. We meet the right people. We start connecting and it just grows bigger and bigger. So, so too with relationships, right? That's where your, the energy is. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, that old saying, like it happens when you least expect it. Well, I would reframe that and I would say it happens when you're aligned. Because when you're aligned, you're so in the moment in present time that you're not, you don't have expectations. You're just basking in the alignment. Okay, keep talking about that. That's so interesting. The expectations aren't there. You're basking in the alignment. You're enjoying the present moment what you're doing, what you're expressing. And if you go back to your mirror concept, you will then, you you will bring in those people that mirror your alignment, your energy. Yeah, they just show up. It's like magic, only it's not. It's, yeah, it's just quantum physics, you know, it's just the way the universe is designed. And, And I think when we stop white knuckling anything, you know, whether it's, love or money, which by the way, are the same vibration, um, or that next client, you know, when we stop white knuckling it and we just allow ourselves to be guided, you know, even, even your business, your business will show you which direction it wants to grow. Your, um, 
desire to be committed, to be um, partnered, it will guide you. I'm big on I'm big on writing stuff down. You know, it's how I create everything, and uh, it's also how I get into the receiving mode, which is another experience because we can ask for it, but if you, are you open to receiving? And um, so when I when I write it out, it it always starts to percolate and show itself in examples in my life, like ex- little experiences, little might be a line in a song. It might be something I overhear people saying when they're walking down the street, but it always starts to percolate and show up. And that's how I, and then I talk to myself and I say, okay, the thing you've written down that you're asking for, that person, that client, that deal, that, that lover, it's on its way to you. And these are the signs. And then, and then you hold to that. And so when the doubt comes in, or you're spending another night alone in your big bed, <laughs> you can remind yourself of the little signs that have been presenting themselves that it's, it's, it's here energetically. Just be willing to allow it to show up in your life physically. Get out of your own way and just stop working so hard at it. I can understand that, but I have to go back one quick second. Love and money are the same energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. So it's really just about self-love. You know, the more you align and love yourself unconditionally, meaning it's not because you drive a certain car It's not because you're in a certain zip code or your house is certain square footage. That's conditional. When you love yourself, even even if you're standing in front of the mirror naked and your body's not fit or perfect or whatever we're taught we should be, and you can just stand there and just love yourself as you are, that's an energy, that's a vibration. And with that love, Inner love comes love through others. I'm not going to say from others, through others. And so the same goes for money. When you stop chasing money, you know, I always used to hear these things about do what you love and the money will follow. And in the beginning part of my career, I was, I was doing a lot <laughs> and the money wasn't following um, until I stopped thinking about it that way. I didn't understand it. And now I do. It's, you know, it's not when you do what you love, it's when you love you. Then whatever you do, you will appreciate and, and appreciation is the same same thing as love, right? Right. And I actually started flashing on a couple people that I know who really like themselves. <laughs> They really do. Sometimes to the point of focusing a little too much on themselves, but they really like themselves and they're very successful and they enjoy being successful, but they're not focusing on the money. They're enjoying the money that's coming in. Yes. Okay. Thank you. But most importantly, they're enjoying themselves and how they're expressing themselves in their work, in their life. Yep. And, and, and in the doing part, they're having fun. Oh, without a doubt, working really hard, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's actually a creation. Yes. Because we create everything. Everything's creation. Whether it's um, success in your business or, you know, the lover in your bed, everything is creation. And how are you aligning with that? That's really the key. So I'm excited about where we're headed as a humanity when it comes to, you know, relationships and couples and, and just the freedom that it's creating, <clears throat> pardon me, for people to be able to look at the choices that they're making in their relationship dynamics and um, letting it unfold for them instead of thinking that they've got to go chase this person down on a certain timeline to fit into a uh, 
a social norm that is so out of touch. You know, it's just, it's just so out of touch. Right. So maybe this fits what I'm going to ask you because this fascinated me when you said um, relationships are a long-term growth experience. And so you, even if you have more than one marriage, you can't look at that as, I'm just not good at marriage. Look, I've had two or three. No. You have to look at it as an ongoing journey in connecting. And yeah, so let's, let's kind of unpack the notion of repelling because I think that's going to fit right here. So, you know, people vibrate out of range all the time. I remember I was dating this guy years ago and uh, I had moved um, across the country and he had, he had come to, to be with me and we were talking about friendships. My friendship base had changed because I changed geography by, you know, the width of a country. And he saw that as a negative, like I couldn't maintain friendships in my life. Mm-hmm. And he was so proud that he'd had the same friends since high school. And I, I thought, well, that's interesting. So you haven't outgrown each other yet. <laughs> What's <laughs> up with that? You know, who's going to grow here? It's the comfort zone. You can, it's all a matter of perspective. You know, you can look at it from either, either angle. I had grown so much in my environment, I needed a bigger environment in order for me to continue to spread the wings. And I did invite the people that were I was close with to stay friends, regardless of the geography, and they weren't interested. And they weren't interested because I had left them and I had different interests now. I had different, a different focus now. I saw the world in a new way and we just no longer aligned with that. And this happens in marriages too. You know, we, people fall out of range all the time. You raise your vibration through self-love. The relationship you have with yourself is the biggest relationship you're going to have. And people either can roll with that because they're raising their vibration or they're not. And then you suddenly are like two ships passing in the night. So you can't make that wrong. If you do, you're, you're actually condemning your own growth and saying there's something wrong with your own growth. If um, someone goes through a downturn in their life and they go, because we have these, we'll have to do this maybe in another show if you like, but we have these um, values systems that, are literally a consciousness, like an energetic concept that we go through in life as we evolve and grow our souls as human beings on this planet. And um, as we go through these different growth, I'll call them awarenesses, where we're, we're aware of ourselves in different ways that we haven't been aware of ourselves in the past, then... Um, we, we sort of go through this recap, you know, where we kind of like recap aspects of ourselves that we've either denied, buried, forgotten, lost track of because we got busy doing life, etc. And sometimes we, we sort of like circle back. It's like, it's like the, a DNA spiral, you know, we, you go up and down the spiral. So there's no, it's not a hierarchy where you, you get to this place and suddenly you're better than everyone. You know, it's like we're going through this growth as a spiritual being. We have to experience different layers and aspects of ourselves. And if we don't clean it up at whatever level, then we kind of got to go back and sort of like finish that up so that we can move forward in a bigger way. Often that happens in marriages and it's hard to identify because it's like, why is this person not wanting to work anymore? Why is this person not interested in goals or our dreams or success? And 
is because they've gone back into some aspect of themselves to heal, to recoup, to let go, to resolve, whatever the word you want to use. That can split a marriage in a heartbeat because you don't even know that person anymore. Right? right. So you can, yeah, you can fall out of range either direction, either raising your vibration or, you know, having to go back and, and recoup something at a deep soul level. And I think the point here is that don't make it wrong. You know, tr- please get out of the blame of he said, she said, and it's all your fault. And Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's just, we are in a different space. And thank you so much for the time we've spent together. If it was a non-violent relationship, a non-abusive relationship, thank you very much for the time we spent together. Um, let's have a great future. Towards that end, prior to my uh, going into family law, I was in the entertainment business my entire life. What traveling entertainment until I got to Los Angeles in the late 80s, and then I produced both headliner and cover bands for private events. Cool. A lot of the events I did were West Side weddings. West Side, of course, is like the very high income, high net worth population of Los Angeles. I love weddings. I enjoy the whole vibe about weddings. I love the food and I love the entertainment, especially when I was presenting it. But I remember standing at the ceremony. I I really did love the ceremonies, but there was a certain point when I said, wait a minute, these vows should change. Unrealistic words to say. More realistically would be, you know, let's, let's embark together. Let's see what we can learn. Let's see what we can grow. Hopefully this will take us, you know, where we both need to be in our lives. But, you know, this whole thing about the way it's structured, the way it sets us up is for this unrealistic ability to sustain the relationship when shit happens. Totally. Well, and you know, think about it this way. I mean, you're spot on, first of all. And um, if you think about it this way, that most people can't even show up for themselves for a whole lifetime without abandoning themselves. How do you expect to show up for another person for a whole lifetime without abandoning them or the relationship? I mean, we need to learn some fundamental foundational things here. And the first thing is how to show up for yourself and not, not, you know, turn your back on yourself when you know what works for you and what doesn't work for you, what your needs are start showing up for yourself and start stepping forward and creating for yourself it within the, the realm of what's important to you. Then you'll actually have something to bring to the table to even think about having that kind of a vow with another person. We've got it all backwards, Judith, I think. I kind of think so too. You know, I loved when Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell said, there's no reason to get married. Every day is an individual commitment to be together. And when that day comes that we choose not to make that commitment, that'll be fine as well. That's right. And I also noticed when people come to me to get divorced, either, you know, as a mediator or as a paralegal, I find it fascinating that there are a lot of couples who have been together unmarried for years, then all of a sudden they get married and within a year or two, they're in my office. They can't sustain that new definition of their relationship. Can you maybe add something to that? Well, it sounds like they're getting in their head about it. You know, they're, instead of being in the energy of it, they're in the social construct of it. And, you know, I think we're all tired of living up to social constructs that are unreasonable and not really based in an understanding of of how humans actually grow and evolve. So the pressure is just like, okay, well, now we're supposed to be this thing. I I remember I was doing some, some coaching one time with a leadership team of a huge company I had. I guess it wasn't that huge. It had about 5,000 employees. 
And there was this one fellow that was on the leadership team and, and he's um, just refused, you know, just dug his heels in and refused to participate in the retreat with any significance. And his excuse was, you know, I just put on my game face, I go to work, I do my job and I go home. And that kind of attitude is just that you're not separate. You know, you're no different at work than you are at home. There is no game face. Just be real, be authentic, bring your greatest authentic self to the relationship. And I'm not suggesting you bail out at the least sign of trouble, you know, show some fortitude and, and work through the, the knots because whatever comes up, remember everybody's a mirror. So whatever gets popped up there is an opportunity to grow yourself and, you know, be loving and, and gentle with one another. And if, if you really truly give it your best, which why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give your absolute best in every area of your life? Why would you hold back anything? So once you've done that, if it truly isn't, if the longevity truly isn't there, instead of hating on the other person when you exit, take the love with you. The love doesn't die. See, this is another nonsense that we're (laughs) programmed. The love doesn't die. Take the love with you. You're the love. Yes, you're the love. But also, you brought up another really good point, and that is if you have a relationship where you had great times and then it changed, the energy changed, you're evolving, you're both evolving, don't deny the good times. There, there were. It's okay to have good times, and then yeah. it's okay, I guess, to evolve and be in another place. And, and yes, and then you take that growth with you, you know. Um, if we can, as individuals, look within more, you know, if we could endeavor to look within more and blame less, criticize less, and, you know, celebrate more, then we, I think we'd be less apt to feel powerless because if you're, if you're blaming the other person, then you're, you're basically in some sort of victim mentality, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, there could be those unusual situations where you're just blindsided. This is a this person's been living a double life. I just read something on Yahoo the other day, a double life. Okay, well, I think that's kind of the exception to the norm. You know, generally, you know, the way I look at divorce and, and, and talk to the people that I'm dealing with is you both participated in, in everything in this relationship. And so to blame one person to blame it all is ridiculous. It is what it is. Uh, there are reasons why things happen. There are reasons why we behave in the way that we behave. And my whole philosophy of life, the only way that I can make sense out of life, because it can be Deborah crazy making, maybe not for you, but it can be for me. <laughs> the only way it's not like suicidal crazy is if I look at everything as a learning experience, frame any single thing that happens to me as a learning experience, what should I get from this that will help me advance and be a better person, be, be a more functional person? Uh, what is that? What am I supposed to learn? All of a sudden, it makes sense. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, I can actually get something from what presumably five minutes ago was one of the worst experiences of my life. Sure. Sure. Well, and, you know, so let's talk about cheating and double lives and, you know, all of these, um, what's the, you know, the term for that when you're being disingenuous and you're living a lie basically in your relationship. So a couple things. Uh, First of all, one of the exercises I would give couples is to review their marriage every year. Sit down together like you would, you're reviewing your own year of 
goals and productivity and life happiness and joy and fulfillment. And you do that with your partner. And so it never gets too far south, right? If it's headed south, never gets too far south. Doesn't hurt to have those discussions quarterly, you know, half yearly. It's, it's about alignment. It's, it's, we put way too much pressure on a, on a marriage by just getting in and saying, okay, everything's going to be cool for the next 20 years. And we don't actually have to talk about it. It's ridiculous. So I would give that exercise um, because there are lots of marriages that there's cheaters, there's liars, there's financial ruin that's going on in the background, addictions. Um, there's, we're human beings, you know, we, we all have something going on. And um, so the question that begs asking is, as an individual within the marriage, who are you being with you? Are you being that dishonest person? Is this a game to see what you can get over on the other person? Like, who are you really being? Because if you can't keep the agreements with yourself, how are you going to possibly keep the agreements with a partner? So there's that aspect of it. And then the other aspect is as the partner being bamboozled, where are you? Where are you? Why, why are you not in present time enough to feel the energy of what's not in alignment here? You know, I had this conversation recently with someone and, um, you know, I asked him, it was very early on, just met the guy and I asked him if he was single. And he was honest with me. He really was. And uh, I appreciated that about him. And the answer was no, right? The answer was no. So that gave me an opportunity to, to make a decision. But here's the, here's the most important part, Judith, is the reason I asked the question is I could feel a woman's energy on him. Oh. I knew. I felt it. And I trusted it. So I asked the question. And see, this is where you can't be checked out in your marriage and not paying attention because the energy shifts. When people lie or when people withhold information or are doing something wonky or untoward, their energy contracts. And it's up to you as part of that marriage to be paying attention to what's going on. And if you feel something's off, identify it. That's the responsibility. And then nobody can bamboozle you. If you get bamboozled, it's because you're not paying attention. I'm sorry, it sounds harsh. I'm sorry. I know. Well, you know, I've always wished I was part of these conversations when I read these articles online. Right. These are relationships and these crazy things people do. I said, I kind of wish I was in the room asking questions because how could this have happened to the extent that it happened? This is pretty impressive. Very impressive. I, I, I don't want us to go on without stopping. And I want to address two things. There's actually three bullet points I wanted to cover with you because they're important points to you. The first two, I kind of look as juxtaposed. And you, 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 you have used the word alignment a lot. But the two things I want you to talk about and compare are values alignment for relationships, which you, you kind of started doing already, sure. yeah. versus vibration alignment. And you have talked about energy too. So how do people engage in values alignment and vibration alignment? Well, kind of the same. Remember when I was talking about the spiral? You yeah. know? So the spiral of, um, I guess we'd call the value systems, is, is an energetic process. You know, our Evolve, are evolving as human beings in our consciousness is an energetic process. Words are energy. That's why they call it spelling. You know, we're weaving spells with our words. Ooh. And values are, are, we use words to describe our values. So um, values might be um, fun, um, kind, um, outgoing, fit, um, 
economically stable, like those could be values, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we identify these, whether it's conscious or unconscious, because that's a program we receive as children. We Our values are um, programmed into us from like zero to 14-ish, maybe a little bit less depending on the situation. And um, if we have parents um, that talk about values, then we're aware of them. Otherwise, they're, they're just something that are percolating and running in the background in our subconscious. So this, this is all one, like it's all the same. And, and our values shift, meaning our energy shifts as we um, change our lives. And our lives change as our values shift. So for example, your values in say college or shortly after as a single person are going to be different than that person that's become married, typically. I should hope so, right? You have different responsibilities and you've made a commitment to someone that you need to uphold by keeping your commitments to yourself. Then we have children. Our values shift again. We take on debt. We get promotions or we, or we start and launch a company and grow a business. Values are this intrinsic, intangible thing that we don't see on the surface. And they are energy because we use words to describe them and words we've spell over our, our existence, over our, our mind functions. I love that you, you use the word spell and spelling and, mm-hmm. and, and, and use that in the context of the power that words have. Yeah. They can be a spell over somebody, which is really important, I think, when people are in disagreement um, and they're arguing to really pay attention to what you say in those arguments. Yeah. Because sometimes those words can be um, destructive to the point where you, you can't, you've really gone a different course with your energy now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a reflection of how, how you treat yourself. It really is. You know, the way you speak to another is, is your own inner dialogue being projected outwardly. And um, I remember I was in the gym one time and this gal, we were in the locker room and she forgot something in her gym bag for class. And she's like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. And I, don't, I didn't even know this girl. And I'm like, you take that back. And she's like, look at me. And I'm like, don't talk to yourself that way. And then you can see this light bulb go on. And she's like, oh, that was such a habit for her. She didn't even realize Mm -hmm. how hard she was in herself. So imagine taking that into a relationship when you're all triggered and you're lit up like a Christmas tree and the fight is on or the flight is on because you're scared of being vulnerable we project this stuff at people and it because, it's because of the way we treat ourselves. I was speaking one time uh, at a conference um, and Naomi Judd was one of the speakers as well. Oh, she has a story to tell. She has quite the story. Yeah. And she was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep it short. She basically was saying that she left, finally left her abusive husband, packed up her kids, drove across the country, checked into a motel in Hollywood. Kids were in bed. She had finally had a minute to herself, walked into the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and she's all black and blue. And she had this meltdown moment where she said out loud to herself in the mirror, oh my gosh, I'm abusing myself through this man. And that was her turning point. That was her turning point. That's where she became a star because you can't, beat yourself down and go after the big things in life. You have to, at some point, learn to love yourself. That's really powerful. I am abusing myself through this man, through this relationship. Yeah. I am allowing it to happen. And that's where you can take your power back and say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to allow someone to treat me this way anymore because I'm not going to treat me this way anymore. Right. And then when you change, it's amazing how the other person changes. Now they have to shift. 
you are a different ball of energy and they don't know what to do. All, all the time. Because remember, we train people how to treat us. And we train people how to treat us by the way we respond to treatment or by the way we don't respond to treatment. So someone insults you or crosses boundaries and you don't, you don't check it, you don't put yes. them in check. You don't have to be harsh about it. It's clear. You need to be clear. And if we don't, then it's like, oh, I can, I can do this. Let me just, you know, take, give them an inch, they take a mile kind of thing. And it just gets out of control. For sure. A few weeks ago, I had the same experience twice in a day. Wow. One was with a client and one was with a colleague in an evening professional meeting. And it was basically the same experience. And the experience was they were speaking to me in an untoward way. They were being aggressive. Couple different reasons, but it doesn't matter. It's the way they were talking to me. And I had never responded like this before, but I was so proud of myself. I'll tell you what I said. And it just changed me. I turned a corner all of a sudden. And what I said was, You're speaking to me in a personally aggressive way. Let's end this conversation before we say anything we'll regret, and let's come back to it later. And the first gentleman, the client said, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. I I didn't mean to do that. And I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we finished the conversation. The colleague who had done this to me two times previous to this evening, to that particular evening, I said the same thing. I, you know, let's, I I think at this point, it may be a good time to end the conversation in case either of us says something that um, we might regret. And he said, men in both cases, he said, oh, I meant what I said. Wow. And I said, okay, then I do not want to be treated in an aggressive way, in in a verbal, personal, aggressive way. I'm going to remove myself from the conversation. Yeah. And then he apologized. Yeah, you had to take it another step. Yes. And it wasn't being critical of them. It wasn't arguing with them. It's just, I'd never stood up for myself. And Deborah, I have this ongoing relationship with my, my girlfriends, who all are professionals. And it's, we are never ready for when men speak to us in an adverse way, for some unknown reason, we are taken aback. And to say anything is fearful to us. And what I did that day in those two different conversations, I have to tell you, I stole it from Clyde Davis, who has been president of Arista Records and then J Records. Do you know who I mean when I say? Love Clive Davis. Okay, I love Clive Davis. And so I'm watching his Netflix special, The Soundtrack of Our Lives, like 30 million times because it's the best two and a half hour concert I've gone to in a while. And Clive is brilliant and he's so low key when he talks. And he was having a conversation with David Foster, enormously famous record producer and songwriter. And they were talking about the Whitney Houston track on I'll Always, uh, the song I'll Always Love You on The Bodyguard. David had just cut it as a rough mix in the Malibu studio and uh, sent it to Clive. And they were on the phone talking about it. It was late at night. And Clive said, It's perfect. It's perfect, David. Perfect. Let's use it the way it is. Don't, don't. And, and David, who of course has an ego, who doesn't have an ego at that level, they said, no, of course, I want to put strings. I want to do this. I want to do that. And Clive said, please don't. This is brilliant the way it is. So he's complimenting David, but David's in his own head about, you know, what he wants to make as a statement. And that's what Clive said. And it stayed in my head. David, I think we should get off the phone now. Let's end this conversation before we say anything that we might regret because we really are going to continue to work together. And David stopped. He respected Clive enough that he said, okay, okay. Nice. So just, you know, for anybody out there that's in a tough relationship, 
Um, you do have to speak up, but you don't have to yell. It's true. And what happens with the yelling is typically they've waited too long to speak up. Mm. You know, I, I remember um, when I, just before I got into coaching, I, I, was, I was a professional speaker. I was traveling around speaking and I wanted to develop my skill set. So I took a communication skills class and, and then I led into a negotiations class. And I remember the facilitator, lovely woman from South Africa. And um, she said, what's more important, being able to have a conversation with a friend who owes you five bucks or with a client who owes you 5,000? And of course, they put up their hand for the 5,000, right? And mm-hmm. she said, no. If you can't have the conversation around the five bucks, you'll never have it around the 5,000. Brilliant. I completely concur. And it's the $5 with the friend that eats you alive. All day long. (laughs) Because there's that trust, there's that bond, there's that relationship. It's easy to just invoice the client or hire an attorney or a bill. Yeah, no, you're so right. With that, I want to cover one other point that I just love, Debra, Pardon me if I'm reading it incorrectly. You'll straighten me out here. But quoting you, actually, um, we are never rejected, talking about relationships, we are never rejected, comma, we repel all relationships, causing them to change dynamic. Most people call this an ending. It's just a realignment of vibration between two people. I, I lo- Could you talk more about that? I love that you said this. Ah. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, I, I really think most of us struggle with abandonment issues. And that was a big issue for me, a large part of my life. I, um, and I kind of set myself up for it, you know, I did. And I, I look at it now and I could see where I was setting myself up. And, and then I, I just, you know, I'm a big nature walker and I was out walking one time, I think I was hiking up the mountains and I had this epiphany that the last person that walked out of my life, boyfriend, um, I was done long before he ever left. It was me. I had shifted and changed so much about me mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, geographically, all of it, that um, it just wasn't working. It wasn't, it wasn't a fit anymore. We weren't, we didn't, we, our, um, what brought us together, this is good. What brought us together, the original point of connection between us was no more. And we had not fostered any new points of connection that had enough depth to take us to the next level. So I repelled him. When I figured that out, when I saw that in my mind, it changed my whole reality or past history on, on love relationships. So yeah. We repel everything. And I think this could be the point where we can start another conversation (laughs) at another point. We've reached the end of our hour because I'm very interested in helping people who are just on the precipice. I kind of think we're going to get divorced. Not really sure. Maybe there's something to save. And even though this is a podcast about amicable divorces, there's still so much that goes into that decision to get divorced. And I want to make sure people are covering everything they need to cover. So I would love to invite you back at some point in your very busy schedule um, to to really start with where you, the point where you just left off here, because I think it's an important point. I love that so much. Today's been so good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I know what your schedule's like. You're very demanding clients and you're not always in town. So thank you so much for carving out some time for us. I learned a lot and and I'm sure our listeners have as well. For anybody who would like to engage you as a business coach, 
because you were telling me personal life comes into the way you run your business, right? All the time. And you're not doing couples counseling anymore though, right? Not really. I mean, sometimes it, it comes into, especially companies that are family run. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's yes. a whole other conversation. Yes. But, um, you know, there, I do boot camps. I do business boot camps. And uh, in the business boot camp, I cover a lot about relationship dynamics because even employees and management teams are like families yeah. and there's divorces all the time. So it's all there. Yeah. That's right. So Deborah, even though things will be in show notes, how can people get in touch with you? So my website uh, is neimind.com. So neimind.com and it stands for Neuroengineering Institute. Thank you, Deborah. This Thank is you. Pleasure. This has been a pleasure. You have been a most unusual guest. So thank you for uh, thank you for coming into my life and connecting with me. Ah, oh, you too. Many blessings. And thank all of you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. I hope this episode has been a help and very positive for you. Please share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't already. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.